Hill Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. Divine love, may your goodness recast our Christian faith. May your goodness diminish our fear, shame, guilt, and sense of duty as our hearts are filled to overflowing by your love that fills our lives with all peace. Amen. And please be seated. As a reminder, throughout the month of August, it's a tradition at Pearl Church for us to hear from the oversight team. Uh, The reason for this is the oversight team leads and governs our church, and it's usually all from behind the scenes. And so August is an opportunity for us to hear from our oversight team members, to just hear a little bit more about their lives and for them to share anything that is unique and particular about their heart for our community. As stated on our website, our oversight team members ensure that we're cultivating our rhythms according to our values. And the oversight team oversees our practices, bylaws, budget, and lead pastor. In our bylaws, uh, they state that the lead pastor participates on the team. And so since I became the lead pastor back in 2006, I've had the privilege of being on the board. Uh, Now, to be clear, although I work here as the lead pastor, I'm not the leader of the oversight team, as though the oversight team is underneath me. In fact, there's no leader of the oversight team because we work together as a team. We serve together, talk together, make decisions together, and do our best to love this church together. Two weeks ago, we heard from Rachel. She shared about her heart for love casting out all fear. Last week. Uh, Two weeks ago, we heard from Linda. She shared about her heart for harmony. Uh, Next week, Carrie is going to share uh, about her heart for belonging here at Pearl. And then finally, Constantina will wrap up the sharing in two weeks when he talks about relationship. And as a member of the oversight team today, I'm going to share a little bit about me and a little bit about my heart for Pearl Church. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Mike Roth. I helped to start Pearl Church with a small group of six other people back in August of 2001. So uh, just this month, Pearl Church turned 21 years old an old church. Pearl can drink. (laughs) We can now have wine at all three stations. Uh, My lifelong partner, Jen and I, married back in June of 97. We recently celebrated 25 years of marriage together. We have three teenage children now. Uh, Asher is 17. I actually met Jen on my 17th birthday, so that's kind of a mind bender uh, that Asher is 17. Thank goodness he didn't meet any partners on his birthday. Uh, (laughs) Phoebe is 15 and uh, Miles is now 13. Their entire lives have been lived out within this faith community. 
I remember when they were little and we passed through uh, downtown Portland and we went by a couple just really gorgeous churches and they pointed at those buildings and they said, what are those? And we said, well, those, those are churches. And they, they seriously thought we were joking. That doesn't look like church. Where, where's the pizza? <laughs> Which isn't a bad way to think about church. If you've grown up your whole life going to EcoTrust, this is a very different kind of church experience. When we first started Pearl, I enjoyed being the associate pastor. I thought that eventually I would leave Pearl and become a family therapist. That was kind of the direction that I thought I was going to go. And then life happened, right, as it does. And I found my heart deeply connected here. At the time, I was wrapping up seminary and I got the itch to dive deep into theology. And I thought, well, perhaps down the road I might split my time. I would pastor here part-time and I would teach in a seminary part-time. And I thought that might be very life-giving for me. And so that's the direction that I was heading in. And so after I finished seminary, I went to a school in Massachusetts and received a Doctor of Ministry degree exploring the rhetorical function of biblical genres. Uh, And then I went to a school in London and received a PhD exploring the meaning-making of biblical literary figures. And that might sound horrifying, but for me it was a deep joy. Eventually, uh, as I had gone through all of that education, over my decade of postgraduate education, I found myself grieving the Christian faith that I had grown up in. I started to realize, because of my education, but also because of our Christian life together here, that what I had grown up in wasn't necessarily good. I mean, it was, it was good for me because I was white and I was male and I was straight, so I could do anything that I wanted in a church. But I realized that it wasn't so good for people who were different from me. Eventually, I lost my faith while pastoring at Pearl, a frightening thing for a church in its board, <laughs> uh, who I will always be indebted to for encouraging me to keep studying and learning, exploring. They never asked me to resign. They said, keep going. That was a, a gift to me. And then eventually, in the midst of a whole bunch of spiritual deaths and tombs, I found what has become for me a truly good and ancient Christian faith that moves me deeply to this very day. And at this point in my life, I'm not interested in teaching in a seminary. I mean, I'd love to teach, but there are only three seminaries in Portland, and they're all conservative institutions. Uh, Anti-queer, certain of eternal damnation for people who don't think just the right things. And I have no interest in that form of Christianity anymore. And so in order to teach, I'd have to move, but my love for this community and for life here in Portland makes me unwilling to do that. I love what we are doing here. It's my dream for our life together to be an alternative, thoughtful, and subversive Christian community for good in this precious world. A few weeks ago, I shared about the history of American Christian imperialism, literalism, and evangelical fundamentalism in a sermon. We just kind of walked through how Christianity became what it has become in the United States. Following that sermon, I met with a few newcomers and I learned more about Pearl Offering, and a guest asked a question, which if I were to summarize, he was wondering why I was so against American Christianity. Like, why are you so against it? And I've thought about that quite a bit. I've just sat on it. In the mornings I go for walks, so I'll think about it. In the evening when there's a quiet moment, I've found myself returning to that question. And to be clear, I'm not against American Christianity. 
In fact, there are Christian movements and groups and individuals throughout our country who are doing good in the name of Jesus. And so I'm not against all forms of Christianity in our country. That being said, I'd like to share a few stories. Over the last year, I had a conversation with a person whose church experience convinced him that the tragic difficulties of his health were the result of God getting him because he didn't believe just the right things, nor did he raise his kids as he thought he probably should have raised them for God. So now very sick, struggling, believing that God made him sick. Over last year, I had a conversation with a person who was overwhelmed by the church's role in the overturning of Roe because her life would have been drastically different and not the life that she chose or wanted if she had been a young adult today in another state. Over the last year, I had a conversation with a person whose church experience has made her terrified of a potential afterlife in which she will suffer. She doesn't believe just the right things in her heart. Over the last year, I had a conversation with a queer couple who deeply worries that one day their life together may not be recognized or honored, very much influenced by the conservative church in our country. Over the last year, I had a conversation with a person whose constitution as a person, as a highly sensitive person, was severely harmed by violent storytelling about God when she was a child. I'm just scratching the surface here. But to be clear, I am against Christianity that makes sick people think that God is getting them. I'm against that. I'm against women not being able to make choices for themselves. I'm against uh, the lack of coherence between a loving God and a vengeful, wrathful God. I, I can't hold those two things together. I'm against queer people not thinking that they can make a life together with the person of their choosing. I'm against fear as a medium for encouraging a person's life in God. I'm against those things. And at times, I want to speak clearly and honestly and even allow myself to show some emotion in regard to violence that's being done in God's name in our country and in our city and in local churches around Portland. But here's the thing. Rather than centering my energy on being mad or on raging, I want to pour all my energy into cultivating a nonviolent community of faith that embodies the love of God in the name of Jesus. That's what I want to help nurture here at Pearl with my life. And I want to proactively extend Pearl's work out into the world because this world and its people need that which Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 11, which is an easy yoke, enlightened burdens. Isn't that beautiful? It's not easy to be human, is it? It's a lot of weight to be a human in the world. And the way of Jesus was meant from the very beginning to encourage human flourishing. And that's what I want to be a part of. Over the last year, the board asked me to think about what I love and don't love about my job. It was a really caring question for the board to ask me. They encouraged me to think about what fills me and moves me. And so after some time, I shared with them that my passion, my real passion is to speak and to teach and to write about nonviolent Christian faith that nourishes human flourishing. That's what I love. That's what moves me. And honestly, that's when I feel that Pearl is getting my very best. The problem with this, of course, is that we're not a large church. 
And so being the only full-time pastor, I have many other responsibilities, such as managing our fiscal budget and working out contracts with EcoTrust and managing our staff and recruiting and supporting volunteers and creating spreadsheets and schedules and policies and considering how operational and organizational flow can improve Pearl as an organization. <laughs> and I know, I know from the bottom of my heart that this work is important. It is. It's what helps keep the whole thing going. It's what makes Pearl a place that people can find accessible and get plugged in and find ministries to connect to and people to love on them. And so for the last 20-ish years, I've been as faithful as I can be with all of that. But if I'm being honest, that work kills me. It makes my heart shrivel. And depending on the season, there are weeks where I've put in all of my hours and I still need to write a sermon which breaks my heart because that's the creative work that I feel called to do with my life. And I want to give you my best when you spend time coming here to hear something that, that moves you and makes you think and, and maybe even does the, the mysterious work of causing your heart to open up just a little bit more. And so we talked about all of this as a board, and the board said, well, let's talk to Dan, our treasurer, about the possibility of another full-time pastor. And while Dan crunches numbers, you put together like a job description of everything that you want to hand off. Now, this is the greatest thing ever. Just imagine your job and imagine your employer saying, okay, everything that you don't like about your job, make that into a job description for someone else. <laughs> Whew. So I was just writing, and everything I wrote, I was like, Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, so I just went through the whole thing. And then the board said, well, let's start with our, the staff that we have. And so Pastor Ben has worked at Pearl part-time for a few years now. And so we passed it on to Ben and asked him to look it over and consider working at Pearl full-time. And then in a couple weeks, come meet with the board uh, and we'll talk about it. So Ben looked it over. A couple weeks later, he comes to the board. We are all sitting around a table. He's got the job description in front of him. And he's asked, well, what do you think about this potential work at Pearl? And he held it up and he said, this is my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't believe in miracles? <laughs> that was such a good moment. Now, of course, this decision comes with risk. Right, to do this, we've increased our budget. We'll need Pearl to grow. We'll need those who call Pearl home to keep giving or to begin giving uh, if this is going to work long term. But at least at this point, I don't feel afraid of the risk. I don't. I believe that this decision has been made in love. Love for me to follow my passions. Love for Ben. Many of you don't know this. For the last few years, as Ben has worked part-time at Pearl, he's also worked a full-time job. And so he would work like seven, eight to three or four, and then he'd do Pearl from three or four to eight or nine, and that was his life for a few weeks. And now he, he gets to just be a pastor. So I believe it's loving for Ben, and I think it's love for this church that will receive its pastors best because our gifts and skills align more deeply with the work that we're doing here. So I'm hopeful that this is good for all of us. Pearl is an interesting church. Many people find Pearl as a last-ditch effort to continue on in Christian faith. Uh, often several reasons. One, the notion of eternal damnation no longer makes sense. Others find Pearl because reading the Bible as inerrant or infallible has become too problematic. Others find Pearl because LGBTQ rights have become so important that attending a non-affirming church is no longer an option. Others find Pearl like parents who are looking for nonviolent pedagogy for their kids to grow up in God. 
Those are some of the main reasons that people find Pearl. Of course, there are others. My point here is that Pearl has become a place for people to safely bring their entire selves. It's become a place for people to deconstruct and to reconstruct consequential faith. And for some, those who have been so terribly harmed by the form of Christianity that they grew up in, that they cannot recover from it. They just can't. No matter how hard they try to be Christian, it is harmful for them to be Christian. Pearl has become a place that has set people free from needing to be Christian. I don't think many churches exist to do that. (laughs) But that is an important work in the world. This is good, wonderfully good work. It's a work that I want to give the last 20 years of my working life toward. And with Ben overseeing operations, my hope is to put more time into sermons that stir your souls and make you think. My hope is to offer more classes and conversations that help us to grow. My hope is to write and speak words that can extend beyond Pearl to help people just like us who might not be in Portland but who are thirsty for the kind of Christian life that we're trying to share in together here. And God willing, if our work here could be used to help others who are deeply good people, but who abide in Christian systems that force them to be less than good, I want to say that again because I think that's a big big thing. If our work here could be used to help others who are deeply good people, but who abide in Christian systems that force them to be less than good. Right, like, like a parent of a queer child who loves their child as their child is, but the religious system they're in tells them that God is not okay with their child. That's, that's the goodness of a person going against the system they're a part of. If our work could encourage their growth and transformation, then we would be participating in Christian revolution in our country, which I deeply believe is needed today. I'd like to conclude this morning by talking just a bit about the word religion. The word religion comes from the Latin word religare. Uh, Religare literally means to bind together. It's uh, from this Latin word, we get the English word ligament. Ligare, ligament. And I find this really helpful. Ligaments, as you know, are bands of tissue that hold uh, bodies together. That's what ligaments do. Similarly, religion is capable of holding humans together together, for better or for worse. And that's what I want here. I want Pearl to hold us together for good, especially after two years of COVID when we're all feeling a bit untethered. We're up and down and left and right, and what is the month and the date and the day of the week, and what year is it, and when is the next presidential election, and am I supposed to be masking or shooting myself with something or sticking something up my nose? What, what is happening? Religion can be very tethering. The stories, the feasts, the holidays, the rhythms, the worship, the community can be very grounding for humankind. I want to be part of a community whose story and table, another way to say this could be, I want to be part of a community whose worldview and system is love, which, like ligaments, can hold us together, our personal and communal lives together. Pearl, a community held together by love. That's what I want. I want to be part of loving stories about a loving God who is growing a loving table around which every person belongs as they are so that human beings can become loving human beings. What might this look like? Oh, 
Oh, there's so many ways to cultivate love. I'll just give you one example. Uh, our rhythms at Pearl are to express a sacred story and to extend a common table to animate life by love. So the story that we, that we tell, this table that we gather around, these two things work together to animate us by love, uh, which is in contrast to other religious animations like fear, shame, or guilt, or duty. We, we don't want those. We don't think that those animations produce good fruit in humans. So we have the sacred story, this common table to animate life by love. Now, pedagogy for kids actually needs to reverse that whole thing. You don't want to start, start with a, you don't want to start with this sacred story and move to a common table and then get to divine love. You, you want to actually reverse it. And so for our littlest ones, our toddlers and our preschoolers, uh, when they come here on Sundays, it's all about them experiencing love. That's it. They hear stories about love, they sing songs about love, they hear that they are loved, they talk about love. It's just love, love, stuffing them full of love. And then they move into the elementary, the elementary ages, and pedagogically they move from experiences to encounters, and, and we want them to encounter uh, inclusion. Inclusion of themselves, their whole selves, inclusion of their parents, inclusion of their friends, inclusion of everyone. We want them to encounter inclusion at God's table. And then as they move into our youth, now they've grown up at Pearl and they've been given a lens. They, they have experienced love and they have encountered inclusion. So then they come to this sacred text that is so important. They're looking through their experiences of love and their encounters of inclusion. And that gives them a way of reading the scriptures to sniff out the goodness of God's heart. And if you've ever met our youth, uh, they're really incredible. They're kind and good and goofy. The kids who've grown up at Pearl Church, think about this, they're not afraid of the divine. They're not afraid of God. I mean, maybe like God's goodness, like it's so overwhelmingly good, like maybe that's startling, but, but they're not afraid of God as a vengeful, wrathful deity. And the ways of Jesus have come to be deeply embedded in their DNA. When I was a child growing up in the church, I heard stories about Noah's flood and the Tower of Babel. And I was petrified, terrified. At Pearl, we wait to tell those kinds of stories. We focus on Jesus' stories of love. From the earliest years of our kids, they sit around in a circle while the volunteer coordinators, Heather and Drew, and you wonderful volunteers, pass around a red heart pillow. Our ch children are all sitting in a circle, and they get the pillow, and they hug it, and they're told week after week after week, God loves you very much. Jesus loves you very much. And then the heart pillow gets passed to the next child, and to the next child, and to the next child, and around the circle it goes week after week after week. In some ways, that's what we adults are experiencing here at Pearl Sunday after Sunday. Divine love who is calling us to be born again and again and again into the goodness of God who is truly making all things new. And so as we head into this next ministry year, uh, on September 11th, we'll talk about all of the dreams that we have for programming and classes and sermon series and all of those things. But more than anything, my hope is that you, your children, your friends, your relatives, your neighbors might be inspired to live more bountifully uh, by the story that we tell here at Pearl and by the table that we extend. Will you pray with me?
divine love, may your goodness recast our Christian faith. May your goodness diminish our fear and shame and guilt and sense of duty as our hearts are filled to overflowing by your love that holds us and animates us for good. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.